Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sam Pets Radio, Australia's coolest podcast network. Hey everybody, and welcome to actually it's low energy. I want to go high energy. Um, do it. Actually, do you do you know? Um, do you ever like watch Nintendo Life videos? No. <laughs> the host of that one is like this British guy, and every single video he goes, "Hello, lovely people." <laughs> Should I just steal that? <laughs> sure, <laughs> great. For three words every episode, I'll be British. No, I want Hello. you to keep. I want you to keep the accent up throughout the whole episode. Okay, let's go. Hello, <laughs> lovely people. Welcome to another episode of All the Small Games. It's me, your blighty old mate, <laughs> Andrew Levins, and joining me on the other mic, on the other end of the can, the tin can, we have my friend of bygone two decades, <laughs> Jonathan Valenzuela. How are you, lad? <laughs> Oh my god, I've made a horrible mistake here Which setting switches this voice off? <laughs> Quick, put it on Spanish <laughs> He only knows seven of those words, the bit will be over sooner <laughs> um, I'm good man, how you doing? I'm good mate, I'm good Welcome to all the small games everybody My name's Andrew Levins, that's Jonathan Valenzuela Just in case you couldn't understand over my thick, very, very good <laughs> British accent Um with uh, an indie game podcast every week, we talk about all the indie games we've been talking about in the we've been playing. Sorry, in the last week, and uh, we got we got a very exciting episode because we're both talking about. I was talking about a pretty recent release of a game, a pretty big, big time uh, indie game that came out this year called Chicory, um, and uh, John is talking about a preview of a yes. game that comes out later this month that he uh, had the uh, the privilege of playing. I think um, it's actually that- like. It's it's yeah it's later later this I thought it was for some reason I thought it was earlier but yes twentieth of July, uh, yes the privilege indeed of playing Death's Door, which uh, was made it on my most anticipated from uh, E3 um, when we did that E3 episode a couple of weeks ago, um, Devolver Digital are publishing it. I'm very excited to hear what you think of that game, John. Do you have any other games that you want to talk about this episode? Yes, I do. I have uh, I've dipped my toe back into Apple Arcade. Oh damn. Yeah, I know. Been a long time between uh, between us talking about that. I uh, they recently released Legends of Kingdom Rush, which oh. is uh, a, a strategy game from the makers of the Kingdom Rush Tower Defense series. So that released 
about a week ago, maybe a little over a week ago, and I've been uh, getting getting into it. Cool. So uh, Chicory, Death's Door, and that other one, Legends, Legends of Kingdom of Rush. Legends of Kingdom Rush, yeah. Oh, I got it. It does sound a little bit word salady, but it works. It is. Um, so before we get into it, it is uh, officially past the halfway point of the year, John. The 5th yes. of July, we are recording this episode on, and... It means six months. Half of the year is over. That means we have six months to talk about the indie games that were. What if you know? If if I'm someone that wants to play all the best indie games that 2021 has to offer, what are some of your favorite indie games that have come out so far this year? All right, in no particular order. Uh, I. It's funny. I had to go back through the all the small games Tumblr to see what I've talked about this year. We, we never shout it out. If you ever want to just get a great rundown of every episode with some beautiful artwork that we steal from other people, uh, go to <laughs> allthesmallgames.tumblr.com. True. It is our, it is our least mentioned link. Um, so, contentious one to begin with, but Disco Elysium, the final cut. Okay. I know this is not necessarily a new game, but I feel like the re-release deserves some attention considering that it's, you know, fully voice acted now and really brings the game to life in a way that it didn't before. Uh, Little Nightmares 2. Yep. Kind of an obvious one from me. Huge fan of it at the time. Um, Genesis Noir. Uh, I know some people found it a little contentious and it certainly was a bit buggy on its release, but I think absolutely beautiful kind of interesting take on a point-and-click adventure with a a narrative that marries, like, detective kind of story with huge topics like quantum physics and stuff like that. So that was really interesting. Um, Recently, I've talked about them, Critters for Sale, that, that, like, super kind of creepy, weird, uh, one-bit, like, psychological horror game I played, Uh, an airport for aliens currently run by dogs, or dog airport game, if you're into brevity. Um, Super, super funny, super weird game. And uh, last last three from my list, uh, and I was saving these these next two because I figured they'll be on your list as well, Aliha Mm -hmm. and Loop Hero. Yep. And then finally, you know, uh, I'm previewing it uh, right now or in in a little bit but worth worth including death's door so spoilers for john's review in in just a moment uh, i hated it no that good shit <laughs> yeah all right what's your list man hit me um so you got to cheat at the beginning of your list so i'll cheat at the beginning of mine um the pathless um even though it came out at the end of last year um is a really really magical game that i know a lot of people slept on uh, you can play it on uh, Apple Arcade, but don't unless you have the um, controller set up to your Apple TV. It's definitely sure. a game that should be played with a controller. I played it on my PS5, um, and I loved it. <laughs> so I just trying to remember which number PS, PS, PlayStation Sony's, I played it on. Sony's new product is a question. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so that was a really, really awesome game. Um, and then uh, to games that actually came out this year that I loved... Um, Blue Fire, which I feel like I don't even know if you heard me talk about it much, John, because I feel like I was playing that the three weeks that you were having paternity leave from the podcast. Um, That's but, you talked about it when I got back though for one of them, right? Um, that game, uh, really, really special game. Like definitely uh, clunky towards the end, and a few quality of life improvements would make it a much better uh, play all the way through. But I think uh, in terms of setting out to do make this very cool. Um, difficult plat like 3D platformer slash kind of like Metroidvania style game. I think they uh, they, they they made something really special. Um, so that's Blue Fire. 
Um, then I've got um, The Wild at Heart, which is a game that um, I got halfway through. I reviewed it a couple of episodes ago. And uh, now I'm with the kids on school holidays, I don't want to play. I mean, they would enjoy it, but they don't. I don't want to have to explain to Archie, um, hey, like this is what's happened in the story so far. Uh, so we're playing different games instead. And then once the kids go back to school, I'll get back and finish that game. Been playing that one nice. on Xbox Game Pass. Really love it. Um, like you, I put Oliha and Loop Hero uh, on my uh, on my top list. Been enjoying uh, both of those. I mean, Oliha, we both finished to completion. Uh, Loop Hero is a game that I always think I need to play more of. Um, but uh, it's unfortunately, it's on my computer. And I just very rarely ever feel like playing games on my computer. Um, worth uh, worth mentioning, uh, they have recently updated Loop Hero. They've added new cards in, or new new terrain, new enemies, stuff like that. I think it, it tickled me immensely when you were playing it because you played on your computer. It was kind of your like go to while DJing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I, you are. I, I was able to play it while DJing at certain venues when I have my back to the wall. But I kept playing at gigs where I had my back to other tables of people or the bar or something like that. And it, it, unless they're like, oh, what, what weird like 16-bit DJ software is he playing? <laughs> <laughs> it kind of uh, looked, to be fair, it does sound like, it's Loop Hero. It sounds yeah, like very, DJ very software. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I haven't, 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 and also have no have had no gigs lately because we're in lockdown. So uh, not, not a good time to play Loop Hero for me at the moment. Uh, and finally, a game that I want to make sure everyone uh, knows about uh, is Kaze and the Wild Masks, the uh, brutal kind of 2D platformer in the style of the original Donkey Kong Country games. Um, I talked about that, you know, a couple of months ago. And again, I, I, an indie game that really has kind of flown under the radar this year, I think is a lot of care and love went into that game and is definitely worth your time. Um, and finally, just like John uh, ruined his review from today's episode, I will ruin mine and say that Chicory is on my favorite games of 2021 so far list as well. But more on that later. Yeah. We uh we there's 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 one other thing you 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 messaged me this morning and told me to to check out a link that you posted in our Discord, uh, and I being you know the dutiful co-host that I was, mm-hmm. clicked on the link and started reading this article. And Levin's my hair was was blown back by what I was reading. Let's get into this. Yeah. So um, look, this is definitely ties into the fact that chicory. Besides, you know, it, for, it's, it's a rare time that we're playing, talking about an indie game which is exclusive to the PlayStation. Um, you can play it on Steam, but as in terms of consoles, it's a PlayStation exclusive. And um, this comes, I guess, at odds with this conversation that people were having on the internet uh, in the last week. Um, people being numerous indie developers, uh, namely, I mean, it started because um, someone called Ian Garner, who um, is the co-founder of a um, place called Neo Doctrine, um, and they publish uh, all kinds of video games. But um, he basically did started a big thread talking. He didn't want it without without burning some bridges. He kind of just he described a a, a a platform as Platform X. He said, "I will not be defining Platform X, but it's the operator of a very successful console and does not have Games Pass. Game Pass. So if people are like, oh, it's either Nintendo or Sony." Um, and uh, he kind of went through all of the problems that he has with the platform and how difficult it is to get anywhere in terms of published, you know, like having people see that your game has been published on PlayStation. Um, it, people worked out very quickly that it clearly wasn't Nintendo because um, I don't know if you've ever looked at the Nintendo eShop, but Nintendo just lets anything through their eShop. Yeah. 
Um, and so it, it is funny to, to compare these two things. Like, yeah, the PlayStation, there's an expectation that you're going to spend like $25,000 to get um, coverage, like in terms of uh, like game placement in the, in the PlayStation store, um, in the like, you know, recently released thread, uh, like on the page on, 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 the, on their, sh- their, their game shop. Um, whereas, yeah, Nintendo like let everything in, but if you are someone that checks the eShop every week, you'll just be able to scroll down like the 30 mostly completely shitty games just to see all the things that have been released since you last checked it. Whereas it's very difficult to do that with PlayStation. And so I feel like if you only had that as your num- as your only games console, you'd be missing tons of smaller games um, mm. because they don't have the av- the budget to to advertise it on the on uh, Sony's uh, storefront. Um, but Jay Tholen, who is um, the um, developer of um, Hypnospace Outlaw, um, and then another one called Dropsy the Clown. <laughs> is that a game? Yep. Yep, it is. That's cool. a that's um, a Devolver game. Oh right, cool. Is that out yet? Yeah. Oh, it's been out. It's heaps old, like PC okay, right. game from years ago. Well, um, he he was not as subtle as um, as Ian, and just was kind of like, I like PlayStation's that been the hardest to work work with, and in terms of sales, it's easily the lowest of all of the um, the consoles that we've released on. Um, and lots of different indie developers were chiming in. Um, did you read through all of the uh, um, all the article? Yes, of course. I, I read through it all. Um... You can it's find funny, a full, there was... full, full kind of article written up about it um, on gamesindustry.biz. The home of all games industry news and business. Mm-hmm. Um, business. Yeah, read, read through the whole article. I found it interesting that like there was no counterpoint. There was no developers that came forward and were like, actually, we had a really good experience trying to get our game on PlayStation or working with PlayStation, etc. Um, it was all just all these indie people just... Being like, yep, it's been a nightmare thus far. I'm I'm in a position where I kind of like. I see why PlayStation don't give a shit about indies, because it's not the indies that sell their consoles. It's the big triple A's. It's your Uncharted's. It's your all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the first 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 party triple A massive games. All the yeah. all the first party stuff. And I mean, even even over the weekend, the developers of Returnal, Housemark, PlayStation announced that Housemark is now one of the one of the Sony owned is now a Sony owned studio essentially. Um, but it's still it's still shitty of them essentially. I've always I've always felt that PlayStation. PlayStation or Sony makes decisions for PlayStation that are good for PlayStation. Xbox makes de- or Microsoft makes decisions for Xbox that are good for the games industry as a whole. Right. I mean, yeah. I guess only recently. I feel like like the, no, the, the last I, couple I, years. Like, look at look at something like Summer of Arcade, which began back in two thousand and eight. Like they they were championing indie games. All the way back then, before ID at Xbox even existed, they were going out of their way to go, okay, let's find these cooler small let's find these cool smaller games and give them a spotlight. Because the more people you have releasing games and working in the games industry, the better the games industry becomes in terms of output. The more like, you know, you get you get more people getting experienced, releasing quality games, that kind of thing. I'll Whereas definitely just, give you Summer of Gaming, but name one thing that was like good for the wider industry that Xbox did between Summer of Gaming and Game Pass. 
Um, making sure that there was uh, the games that were releasing on their console were releasing on PC as well. Okay, yeah, all right. Not, okay. n- all right. Not, he's, not, he's, he's done his he's done his homework in his head. He knows what he's talking about. Everybody, like, not not. I don't even being... know what a British British accent sounds like. Trust <laughs> me. Um, like, not not being like PlayStation is with their exclusives. And I mean, look, PlayStation have just now like Horizon Zero Dawn is now available on PC. They have got a long way to go before a lot of their exclusives are available on PC as well. But Xbox have been more. Happy to be like, yep, cool, that game that is a console exclusive for us. It can go out through our, our PC store. Prior to them having a PC store, that that it, it was fine for it going on Steam and that kind of thing. Um, I want to make the argument of cross-play, but I feel like cross-play is a fairly recent thing as well. It definitely predates Game Pass, but still, like... It's anyway, definitely there, there was a massive that was a massive like win I guess when when Xbox and Nintendo started being friends and 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 offering crossplay in that regard and Xbox were offering PC crossplay before anyone else as well I think you're right yeah so I mean it's just it's one of those things you know I I feel like I've pretty much proven my point here I don't I like I don't fault PlayStation for trying to do the best for their own console but if PlayStation was the only console, it'd be a much poorer landscape for video gaming, I'd say. Uh, yeah, but I think you could argue that if any of the consoles were the only console, it would be a much poorer landscape for gaming. Mm. True, true, true. Yeah. So, um, so, But yeah, but it is interesting kind of seeing, because, you know, for years and years, um, indie games, you played them on PC. Then Xbox, I guess, somewhere of gaming... Um, pushed them to consoles, um, and then PlayStation kind of tried to do tried to get lots of uh, indie exclusives around the same time as that. And then I remember there was lots of around the era of the Wii U, a lot of indie developers were expressing um, concerns about how difficult it was to work with Nintendo, um, putting indie games on the 3DS and when the Wii U. So they started a basically a division um, of, of of people to work on getting more indie games on the Nintendo consoles, which is why there's quite a few added at the end of the eras of the Wii U and, and the um, um, and the 3DS. But um, at the same time, the, the clear winner of the consoles, like Xbox 360 is probably the winner of, in, of that generation in terms of getting indies on consoles. Then mm-hmm. it's the, the clear like winner of the console to play indie games on is the Vita after that. Um, yep, okay. The Vita really, really, like, I don't know, it was just... That was where you played, you know, Rogue Legacy. That was where you played Guacamelee. Um, all of these, like, indie games were made for the Vita. And, you know, a few of them are still locked to that platform. Um, and I, it's almost as if, like, the, um, Nintendo saw what Vita was able to do as, like, the home of indies. And that paved the way for Switch being, like, the undisputed king of, of indies when it comes to playing them on console. And in that article, like, multiple devs say, like, yeah, no one... Like the the console that we sell the most games on is the Switch. No one can hold a candle to that. That's true. Uh, I mean, I I speak from semi experience with Death Squared. We did middling sales, and then the Switch came out, and the Switch outsold all other consoles it was released on, including PC, in like the first two months. Yeah. Um, cool. Which I think has a bit to do with the fact that. It's a lot better now, but during the first release of, or during that first couple of maybe two years release of the Switch, we were there desperate. weren't, yeah, exactly. There weren't that many AAA games. There weren't, you know, there were, you had Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild. You finished that. You finished Super Mario Odyssey. 
what the fuck else were you playing in the meantime? So people, I think, went to indies as well. Um, no, I would say that indies, like indies, there are months where the indies carry the Switch, I think. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, I don't think, I don't think Mario Golf or Super, what is it? Super Mario Golf Rush or what's it called? Mario Golf Super Rush, obviously. God. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't think that's necessarily like a, oh my God, this is the best thing I've played this month. There'd definitely be one or two indies that came out that were like, yep, that's a much better or yeah. more interesting gaming experience. And it's definitely not like Nintendo take that for granted either. Like they put the most effort into, you know, regular showcases of only indies with their indie world showcases, you know, multiple times throughout the year. I think ID at Xbox at close second. And then PlayStation has like a blog and the odd kind of like inclusion in some of their, um, uh, state of plays but yeah definitely not the um not the same amount of attention uh given to indies that the other the other platforms give and so it isn't too much of a surprise to see someone like the hypnospace outlaw devs you know complaining about how hard it is to work with them for a console they love playing games on it must be a bummer i would i would like to shout out xbox as well the recent uh summer games fest whatever the hell you want to call it so many of the games that were featured during that had demos on Xbox. Yeah, I missed during... them all. I don't yeah, know how... so it was like a the shortest window. I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 maybe this is why I'm like not letting you take take let, oh. not, not, not letting you give Xbox the credit. Yeah, if they added two extra days to the to their demos, <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't be having this argument. <laughs> it's funny. It was what like Sable was one of the demos. So and... bummed I missed it. Oh well, but I know but I get part the of... game when it comes out. Yeah. yeah, part of me is like, I don't need to taste the game. I know it's going to be fucking great when it comes out. I'll just wait for the full release, which is honestly like two months away now. But John, we're indie game journalists. We've got to be ahead of the, ahead of the curve. <laughs> true, true. Um, I, I'm playing the new dad card again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're allowed that for, for at least I just, seven years. <laughs> yeah, I, I just hide behind Olive at any time. It's like, you should have done this. Just pull my baby up in front of my face. She vomits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she does that so well these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was funny reading that article, um, you know, kind of criticizing PlayStation's attention to indies um, the same week that I started arguably their best indie um, exclusive in, in as long as I can remember. Chicory. Hot damn. Great segue. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. So, Chicory. It's called Chicory, A Colourful Tale. And, uh, man, it has it's a pretty much a who's who of uh, indie game staff working on this game. Um, it is the latest game developed by Greg Lobanov. Um, do you remember him from any particular beloved All the Small Games title of past? You damn straight I do. That's the mastermind behind Wonder Song, baby. Yeah, and uh, I know he's made something else like uh, he has a website that used to be called Dumb and Fat Games. <laughs> Actually, it is. <laughs> if you go to dumbandfat.com, that's Greg's uh, website. And uh, he made one called Coin Crypt, which looks really cool. I've never played that before. Okay. Um, he has. Uh, he's kind of like a, a Terry Kavanagh, who is someone we're going to be talking about in a Patreon exclusive episode very soon because we are currently playing through VVVVV. Um, and Terry Kavanagh makes like a new game a month, it seems like. I don't know if you've ever been to his website. My God, he has a lot of games. Um, but uh, Gregory, Greg Lobanoff has like, like, yeah, maybe like over 10 games that he's made in the past with great names like Super Goo Goo and Phantasmaburbia <laughs> and Blue shot, doubloon. I like, I like cowboy killer. Yeah, One that's word. Good too. Yeah, 
Um, so he's been making games for many years, and this is his most ambitious game yet. If you liked Wonder Song, you will feel very at home um, playing this game, in which you play as the a janitor who works for Chicory, and Chicory is um, basically the wielder of a magic brush that brings color to your world. Uh, and one one morning, you wake up. And all the colors gone, and so is Chicory, but her brush is outside her room. So you, a lowly janitor who with, who's just optimistic and beautiful, you're also a cute little dog. She she takes say, the brush. You're, you're burying the lead here, Levens. Yes, the cute dog a, thing, so cute. I think because this originally was called um, like in when they were developing it, it was called uh, a really cute name. Oh yeah, Draw Dog. That was the name of this uh, working title of the game. Um, nice, and. Uh, yeah, so you, you basically pick up the brush and you start a, a big adventure to bring the color back to the world and find out what took it away to begin with. Um, the the like the other people working on this, we have um, Madeline Berger, as, who's an environmental artist um, who worked on this game. We have um, Alexis Dean Jones. I don't know if these names mean to anyone. Um, I think they're all relatively like you know this is maybe the first big game they they worked on. The majority of them are Canadian. Um, and then we have um, M. Halberstadt on sound design, and one th- one person that I was very excited to see on uh, the credits for this game is uh, the music was done by Lena Rain, and Lena is responsible for the incredible, I would say, like definitely top three best ever game soundtracks for me, and that is the soundtrack to Celeste. Um, that's a soundtrack, one of the few video game soundtracks that I can just put on, and besides the odd. Um, maybe slightly too hectic moment uh, in that soundtrack. I can put it on at like dinner or something like that. And everyone will have a damn good time listening to that beautiful soundtrack. And uh, Lena has uh, not held back the greatness uh, for her score on Chicory either. It's so good. And just one of the many reasons that make this game so beautiful um, because you, you do control the dog, like from like an isometric kind of viewpoint, you're walking around. I should say the first thing you get, you do is, um, uh, you're asked what your favorite food is. And so I'm playing this with my son, Archie, who is seven and on school holidays. And uh, last week I mentioned that like all he could talk about and think about was a very fun party game called Boomerang Foo. And so after many, many days of playing that and only that, I was like, Archie, we're playing a new game today. It's called Chicory. Um, He said his favorite food was burgers. Um, and that ends up becoming your character's name. So uh, the, the, the dog <laughs> janitor who wields a paintbrush, her name is Burgers, and everyone else in the town are like, you know, very cute animal creatures that all have the names of food. So, you know, oh, you'll, okay. you'll meet people named Quinoa or Corn or like, uh, um, like just name a food. That's what they're, they're all, all the foods what? are in there. We, well, we, I mean, we met chick- someone called Achiote the other day. <laughs> Chicory um, is a, a food in itself. A root, right? Yeah, a flowering yeah. plant of the dandelion family. Blah 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 blah. There's coffee. You can make coffee from chicory. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and uh, man, we played. So the the, the so all right, controlling this game, you one of the joysticks moves um, your little dog around. The other joystick moves the paintbrush. So you are. Yeah, it's like an isometric viewpoint where you're moving the dog around like classic adventure game style and there's all kinds of puzzles around you and majority of these puzzles are solved with paint because when you squeeze the trigger on the uh, the on, on, on the gamepad, on, sorry, on the controller, um, you, you, you push down and you paint and you, can, you have multiple colors that you can cycle through. You unlock different brush shapes um, and you can just paint 
the environment around you, um, no matter where you are, you can, you know, do designs, you can hold it down and color everything to one color. Um, it's, it's super fun, but also there's a lot of puzzles that you can solve with paint, um, by painting the, the, you know, different plants and, and things like that around you. It'll give you platforms or takes things away. Uh, it'll unlock bombs, all kinds of fun things you'll, you'll f- discover in your journey. Uh, you can play this in co-op mode where you control, player one controls the dog and a paintbrush and player two also controls a paintbrush. And so they can help out with all the puzzles or they can just, just like if you have a kid who, you know, just wants to play a game while you do, you can just give them the paintbrush and they can just paint around you while you do the adventure game or they can help you play, which is what Archie is doing. And all it took was 20 minutes of this game and he is so hooked. Um, we're a couple chapters in. The um, second chapter was was like two, took us two hours to get through because we mm. are both stupid completionists who are like, you know, if we see a treasure chest on the screen, we are figuring out how to get to that treasure chest and we are unlocking all those extra hats and dresses that you can unlock in this game. Um, it is so good. It is so cute. It has that same gorgeous writing um, that Wondersong had, but I think even better. I think it's a better written game Ooh, damn, uh, okay. than, than Wondersong. Um, explores similar themes of, you know, living up to an idea of someone in your head and like realizing that they have, they face the same amount of fear and doubt, self-doubt that you do. And you meet other other characters in this world that are, you know, even though it is, is like this, you know, magical video game world, you know, they have pretty relatable problems that especially if you are someone younger playing this with someone, um, like it's going to make such an impact. Um, it's really cruisy to play the game, the, the kind of bosses that we've gone up against so far. Uh, they're not, they're not too difficult. And you certainly, if you do, if you do one of the, um, if you get hurt, you don't die. You just kind of like it, the screen flashes and you just have to do like a very small section of the fight again. Um, so it's, doesn't, it doesn't, you know, take, make, make you go back to the beginning. It's not very punishing at all. It's a, like the game, the, the boss fights almost remind me of like Undertale, in a way, uh, where okay. it's like a, about avoiding um, the attack more than it is about attacking yourself because you are wielding a paintbrush. How much damage could you possibly do? Um, so what what sort of bosses are we talking though? Like, is it we're talking about a gigantic is... eye? <laughs> because okay. there is a you, you learn out that learn that there is there are, there's a corruption that's taking away uh, all right. the colors, and so you fight said corruption by uh, exploring okay. um, through through the land, get accessing new areas, um, entering a weird creepy tree. And then fighting an eye monster, um, and you paint directly in their eye. <laughs> Naturally, of course. take that, you stupid eye. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I love this game. It, I, it's a lot longer. I, I, I forgot who was making it um, until like after I played a little bit of it. I was like, oh, that's right. This is the new game by the Wonder Song guy. Do you remember that? Like the Wonder Song game. When you first start it, you're like, oh, this is going to be a fun three hour adventure. And then I feel like that was like twelve hours. Um, yeah, no, I think easily. Definitely over ten. Chicories are even longer, um, especially if you want to um, collect all of the different fun things you can collect in this game. You can collect outfits. You can just pick up trash, and for whatever reason, it like you know, it's like, hey, you, you've picked up seventeen pieces of trash. I don't know why I'm picking up trash yet, but I assume, I hope, I hope there's a point to it. Um, you also got to got to find lost kids. Um, yeah, I I would posit that maybe the reward of picking up trash is teaching Archie that it's good to pick up garbage and keep things clean. I would say the majority of people that play this game are going to be in their twenties and depressed. They don't need to think about. <laughs> they don't need to think about picking up garbage. <laughs> yes, they do. Their houses are probably disgusting. Clean your house, people. <laughs> Clean your house, depressed twenty somethings. <laughs> yeah. 
That just flashes up on screen at the end of the game. Yeah, perfect. Um, but man, it's delightful. It's a shame that it is locked to. I think yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on PlayStation Four as well. Um, but if you play play it on PlayStation Five, there's a few cute things that the um, the PlayStation Five controller does. Like whenever you change the color of your brush, the controller flashes that color. Um, okay. With, the, with its LEDs. That's cool. Um, and I haven't noticed any particularly exciting HD rumble, but I'm I'm, I'm expecting something. Um, it, it makes some cute noises as well, like fun paint painty sounds. Um, that kind of stuff is really great. It makes it a bit more immersive. Um, but uh, yeah, if you can, you haven't got can a... confirm PlayStation Four. Okay, great. So yeah, if, if you have, if you've got a PlayStation, like fucking let your voice be heard that you want that you are interested in playing uh, vid- uh, pl- indie games on PlayStation. Um, because this one is really special, and uh, I th- that like I don't know. I feel like all all um, uh, all of the consoles should be as excited about indie games as they are about triple A's and and third party. Like it's just it it the the healthier all of those things are, the better we like you said the be- the better off gaming is in general. Um, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, you could, you could be playing this on Steam, John. You'd love it. Um, I imagine a year from now it'll be available on Switch and Xbox as well. Fingers um, crossed. Uh, hopefully, yeah. they don't have complete console exclusivity. Um, but if they Publish- do, they have to put they have to put chick um, the dog um, in. Uh, what was their horrible um, attempt at making a Super Smash Brothers PlayStation? Oh, game? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Battle like, All Stars or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, well, put the dog in that, <laughs> and all yeah. will be forgiven, Sony. Oh, published by Finji. That's cool. Yeah, so published by Finji as well, who gave us. Um, uh, Night, Night in the Woods is that what it's called. Night in the Woods, Overland, um, Tunic. Whenever the fuck that comes out. Hey man, take Woman's- the time. It, that, that, I think that game is going to be super big when it finally comes oh. out. Like you know, cool. it's, it's an extremely small team working on a um, you know very gorgeous three uh, D, but like you know isometric Zelda adventure style game. I, 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 I can see, I, I imagine there's going to be so many crazy mechanics in that game when it comes out. I'm very excited for it. Um, Wilmot's Warehouse as well Also oh, also worth a mention Did you a say banger. that you and Archie got into that one? Yes, we loved it until it got hard And god damn does it get hard <laughs> <laughs> Nice I would say and like speaking- I, I was going to say don't play that with a 7 year old But I also don't I reckon don't play that with anyone Because as a single player I think you're, you can accept being harsh on yourself For doing something wrong But if well, the other player it, it's so you, It's so taxing like it's also it's so based on you making particular decisions and remembering said decisions like when we've just you know it's like an anchor does that go under tiles that are blue or tiles that are related to the sea like you need to be singularly focused in the decisions you make in Wilmot's warehouse but yeah. I'm glad that Archie I'm glad that Archie enjoyed it up until it got difficult. We well, loved it, but God, it got hard. <laughs> uh, Finji are a great publisher, um, and this is just one of the great games they've published. Um, one of yeah. my favorite games so far of the year, one of Archie's favorite games as well, um, Chicory, A Colorful Tale. Um, it is like absolutely a cure for Lockdown Blues game as well. Um, it's really, really pretty and just sweet. I, uh, I couldn't recommend this more, man. This is going to be in my, you know, very, very close to the top of my list at the end of the year. I'm trying to remember if Wonder Song got dark. Like it I, did I, in in terms of like, you know, he, that the, the the that bard had to fight through a lot of like you know bad feelings that either he had it for himself. Or he was always pretty happy go lucky, but I, th- I think there was one moment where he was sad, 
I remember like he, yeah. he, he, he can't sing in it. He'd be like, he's, he's, yeah, that's really right. Flat. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he definitely like other characters definitely just heap shit on him throughout the game. Yeah. Greg Lobanoff, being... he got some great ideas for games. I mean, Wonder Song, you know, being a platformer that you use your voice to solve puzzles, the Chicory just takes that, you know, interesting game mechanic to solve puzzles to like another level. There's so many more environmental things that you have to solve. And I think the possibilities are a lot greater too. It's just very cool. Love you, Chicory. Sweet. Thanks. Thanks, Chicory. You're doing great out there. Absolute huge thumbs up for Chicory, a colorful tale. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, so I've got two games to speak about. I think let's, you know, let's save the best for last. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to whip into Legends of Kingdom Rush right now. And I agree with you. I, that is a mouthful of a title. They could have just called it Kingdom Rush Legends. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you it was are, right there. If, if you will, yeah, exactly. If you're listening, Armor Games, uh, think about it. Just, you know, have a think about it. Sorry, not Armor Games. Ironhide Iron Game Hyde. Studio. Ironhide. So. Ironhide is Armor, right? Yeah, I think they started on Armor Games, which. Oh, no, I mean, but I mean, like, the actual, like. If you had an iron hide, you would use that for armor. <laughs> yes, Levens. Yeah, yeah well, I'm just saying. You know, no one, no Thanks, one should blame me for your for your confusion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so uh, Ironhide Games are famous for making the Kingdom Rush series, which is three three games um, that kind of really defined what excellence is in tower defense. From, from a gameplay point of view through to a design point of view through to a story point of view, the Kingdom Rush tower defense games are absolute must-plays if you own a mobile phone, in my opinion. Love those they games. Also, they've they've yeah. ported them to pretty much everything now, I think. Like, you can get them on, you can get them on Switch, you can get them on PC, etc., etc. They also, many, many iOS generations ago, made a, um, a Kingdom Rush brawler, which before... Oh, really? Yeah, before um, uh, what's that? Or maybe it was around the same time uh, as uh, what's the one where you play as the knights? It was a um, uh, X- Xbox Summer Games Fest. One of the the Castle you know, Crashes. It reminds me heaps of Castle Crashes. Yeah, I loved it. It was on. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Interesting. Um. Anyway, oh, Clash of the. They also made Clash of the Olympians. 
Kingdom Rush, they had a free Flash version, etc. Anyway, I'm just looking at their website now for shits and giggles. But Kingdom Rush, Kingdom Rush Frontiers, and Kingdom Rush Origins, three incredible tower defense games that I highly recommend. But what they have released recently on um, through Apple Arcade, and mm-hmm. looks to be Apple Arcade exclusive at this point in time, is Legends of Kingdom Rush. So what they've done is taken characters from kingdom rush not even characters like units that you use in kingdom rush and brought them into a turn-based strategy game um now i i got to admit i kind of like i have a i have a bit of a bug for for turn-based strategy after um into the breach Yep, that that definitely you know kind of whetted my appetite and made me interested more in turn-based strategy. Played, have you ever played the Mario and Rabbids game? I haven't. It's you still in my man. Switch case. <laughs> you I would absolutely it. love that, dude. Yeah, I should get into it, especially since they've announced another one. It just it just sits in my Switch case for for one day when I really need it. But there's always something else to play on on Switch. Going back to our previous discussion about how great Switch is for indies. Um, it's it's definitely like it, it kind of fits in with the story the overall story being told with the kingdom rush series there's a bit of like an ongoing story for all the games um you 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 put together a team a team of three three characters one of one of which is kind of a, a hero unit and there are four hero units that you can unlock in the game that all tie into the story and then two support units and the support units are drawn from um enemies and and allies that you might have used during the tower rush game so there's like an archer for instance there's a sorcerer there's a witch doctor there is a sasquatch um each of these units kind of has their strengths and and sometimes their weaknesses like the sasquatch is an incredibly powerful melee fighter but can only move one tile at a time so you know there are there are a ton of different combinations that you can put together for your team that can have tactical advantages and disadvantages. Also, if you like, it, it is very much worth going into the the um, the explanations of each of the units you have, because some of them might have like abilities that will that will kind of complement other units' abilities. So it might be you know you might have a unit that can poison. Um, poison an enemy when they attack it and then another unit might have a special where it's like if you attack a poisoned unit with this special you'll also set them on fire as well <laughs> so you can kind of look to to create these like synergies between your characters that really give you a tactical advantage uh the the setup so so each each there are currently there are three um areas i guess that you can play through in the game and it shares a lot of DNA with the way that, like, I call it, um, or to me, the most the most familiar, or the, the first time I've encountered this is Slay the Spire. So, you know, on Slay the Spire, when you go off, you're playing a game of Slay the Spire, you're working your way from one end of a map to the other through a branching kind of set of paths. Yep. Each, each path, like, whatever you finish in terms of health and stuff like that, that's how much you have for the next battle so on and so forth so it 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 uses that kind of setup for each of your adventures where you'll be on a node you'll have three nodes to choose from your choice might be a battle and it'll show like with a little kind of figure what you'll be battling so like is it is it orcs is it 
like snow wolves? Is it spiders? Is it cultists? That kind of thing. So you can kind of make a decision based on what your party makeup is of like, oh, I'm I'm much better at fighting orcs with this team than I am fighting the more magically minded cultists. I'll take that route. Uh, there's there's a kind of, there's a weird, like, not weird, but like a dice-based element to some of the nodes. So you'll, you'll rock up and it'll be like, you're in a cave. Suddenly there's a, a cave in. Can you, like, you know, what do you do? And you'll have options based on who's in your party, essentially. So it's like, if you have a barbarian in your party, it'll be like, use your strength to, to pull the rocks away. Or if you have an archer, it'll be like, quickly run under the rocks and get out of the way of them sort of thing. And based on who you choose, it'll roll a dice and the dice has stars and crosses on it. If you get a star, you're successful. If you get a cross, you fail. If you're successful, you might score some loot or some experience points. If you fail, you will probably lose health, which can, towards the end of these these areas, you are absolutely gasping for whatever bit of health you can get, to be honest. Right. Um, just like the other Kingdom Rush games, the overworld maps are filled with like all these fun little sort of visual Easter eggs for you to look for. Like on the on there's there's one level that's based in the mountains and it's all snowy and on one side of the map there is a ski lift and the ski lift constantly has like if you sit and watch it like Finn and Jake will go past on one of the chairs and for then real? like a predator and an alien will go past and all these little like cultural sort of references. Oh, that they if haven't you... paid for. So like homages to them. So yeah, sort of like you know characters that look enough like them. They're not obvi- yep. they're not licensed. It's just little nods to them essentially. Um, there are some that are based around, um, there are some that are based around, uh, what are the achievements? So like, again, in the snow level, there'll be a, like, there'll be a wolf in one part. And if you tap on the wolf, it explodes and turns into the thing. As in like John Carpenter's the thing. Oh, right. Cool. Gross kind of alien, not, not Marvel's the thing. Um, and then it'll be like achievement. You found the mutated snow dog in the wilderness area. So again, like that was always something I loved in the um, the Kingdom Rush games is kind of looking looking around the overworld map with a you know um, with a, with a bit of a, a an eye for detail and finding all the funny little jokes that they've included in there. I um I was off to a slow start with this game, admittedly, because it takes you a little while to unlock a lot of the different enemy units. The way you unlock them is just by playing, essentially. Like as you unlock achievements, you'll unlock units that 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 go along with them. Um, so yes, from, from that slow start though, as I kind of kept chipping away at it, I, I slowly more and more was like, Hey, this is actually super fun. I'm, I'm really enjoying my time with this game. I'm enjoying thinking tactically. Um, you know, whereas I used to get my ass handed to me in these battles. Now I can pretty reliably make it all the way through each adventure to the end and take a decent run at the boss. Um, and there's there's ton, there's already like there's one world kind of off to the side of the map that you know they'll expand at some point, and much like other Kingdom Rush games, I feel like they're just going to keep updating this guy over and over again um, until it until it's like tons of content essentially. I'm sure they'll add new units, they'll add new adventures for you to go on, all that kind of stuff. If you have Apple Arcade, absolutely grab this game. Like yeah, cool. Pause this episode right now. Flip out of your podcast app. Go download it. You will have a great time with this. I guarantee it. Um, yeah. So that is Legends of Kingdom Rush. Now, 
Let's get down to business. Let's talk. Oh, I thought you were going to sing that song. Do you know that song? Let's, let's get down. Let's down get to down to business. business. It's like a new dance song. It's awful. If you go to, oh right, if you, if you I have, walk into any gym right now, it's playing. <laughs> if you walk into any gym right now, you are defying lockdown laws. Don't do Very it. True. <laughs> yeah. Death's door. So I was lucky enough um, to get a preview code from the good folk at Devolver Digital to to give this game a, a bit of a burl before. Yeah, so it's it doesn't released. come out. July 20 is when it comes out July 20, yes I've, Hold on, I have a whole fucking thing here It comes out Death's on door. Xbox and uh, and Steam Xbox and Windows, yeah On yeah. Steam um, I But there's, look, I'm absolutely sure this has to come to It must come to Switch at some point It'd be, say, it'd be insane if it didn't um, and, and thus probably PlayStation <laughs> as well Yep. Developed by Acid Nerve. Uh, Acid Nerve made previously a game called Titan Souls, which shares a bit of the same DNA with um, with uh, Death's Door in that it's all about these um, these big boss battles that you go through. But whereas Titan Souls was purely boss battles, uh, Death's Door has more of a like you play through a level with other enemies and then wind up fighting uh, bosses as well. Also, there are two person team from Manchester in the in in the UK. Uh, two the country. Acid Nerve is the developer, right? Yeah, Acid Nerve is the developer um, from Manchester in the UK, where your your favourite and best accent comes from. Um, <laughs> published by Devolver Digital. So, Death's Door sees you playing as a little crow who works for a a sort of bureaucratic institution that. Uh, are basically perform the function of reapers. They go into the world and take the souls of people who have just died. Uh, however, you are the the sort of world that you enter from memory. I need to I need a refresher on the story. I need to go back and replay the preview again. But from memory, the world that you reap in. Animals live or, you know, the inhabitants live for a lot longer than they should and grow a lot larger than they should as a result. So the souls that you're reaping are particularly powerful souls. You go out on a job um, to to get a soul. And the thing is, you are basically kind of not, you know, the job only finishes once you bring the soul that you were intended to go get back. However... This job that you go on, you uh, as you go to take the soul, suddenly it's stolen from you. I cannot tell you more than that. I, I am kind of like the embargo does involve me not revealing massive amounts of story detail. I kind of feel like I can say that one because I think it shows up in the credits. But in I will say... In the trailer, you mean? A trailer, trailer. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. <laughs> this is... This game is fantastic. One one thing that's leapt out at me, like let me let me get my thoughts in order. The combat in this game is is fantastic. This is the kind of game where you need to have the combat makes or breaks the game, and these guys have nailed it. It looks it so feels, smooth in the, in the videos I've seen. So it far, is like, it is so smooth. It feels so tight and so crisp. Um, yeah, it's a, you're a crow with a sword, right? He has a sword. Y- you're a crow with a sword. You, you you can pick up an umbrella at the beginning of the, the preview and fight with the umbrella as well. Uh, but the umbrella does half the amount of damage that your sword does. So I stuck with sword, but it would <laughs> probably be fun to do like all Boring. umbrella run or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, it's it's so crisp. You have a sword. You have a, a bow and arrow as well. Um, it's got a dodge roll, and the dodge roll feels like... I've played plenty of games that have a dodge roll, and the dodge roll just doesn't like... It doesn't hit as precisely as you wanted to, so it feels kind of useless in combat. Not the case here. The dodge roll works perfectly of like, get in there, smack your enemy a couple of times, get the hell out. Um, I I definitely suffer from the the uh, the sort of affliction with these kind of games where it's like, I don't need to dodge out of the way. I just need to run up to the enemy and hit them heaps of times. Oh, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of been gradually learning to use the dodge roll. So the combat's fantastic. The world that they've created is fantastic, like just incredible. It's it's not necessarily like stunningly beautiful. It's just all the elements of it are so well crafted that it feels great to be in. the The little bureau of death that you are are in at the beginning, it's all in black and white, except for like I think the red of your tie or your sword. Um, that's the only splash of color on screen. And then when you go out into the actual world, you get a full color world then. That's, that is one of the examples of like great design choices that they've made in this game. I'm currently in an area of the game where I'm in a mansion. I won't give away any more story details than that. But I just noticed, because I played a little bit before I came to work this morning, I noticed that there's actually reflections on the marble floor of this mansion. Like stuff like that where they didn't you know it it, it's it it doesn't necessarily make the make or break the game that they have this thing but once i noticed it i was like shit that's such an amazing detail to have Mm. like in terms of how they've how they've kind of put this game together uh i think i sent you a screenshot of the game which was like they obviously have a sense of humor about them because when you're going into this bureau you have to pass through a security checkpoint and the security guard's name is uh, Ball Plot. Great. For, you know, for those who aren't familiar with garbage movies, there's Paul Blart, uh, you know, Ball Cop. Ball Cop. Um, I've, I've run into a character uh, who has a, uh, a pot of soup for a head. Um, you know, already great character design there. Perfect. But... Uh, but I must admit, I chuckled when his name flashed up giant on screen and it just said Pothead. <laughs> and I was like, all right, all right, you got me, guys, you got me. Um, How much of the game are you, have, is this? Are you playing like a full build of the game or is it like. No, a- no, 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 no. This is a preview build. So it plays up until like the first major boss battle. I don't think I'm too far off it at the moment. Um, uh,. I hold up my daughter in front of my face once again and say, hey, new dad, but <laughs> I do. <laughs> and she vomits on my PC. Um, I, I will definitely be going back and playing through to the end of this preview. Um, they also like, I've, I've found a couple as I've been making my way through of uh, like little secrets that they've peppered around the game. And so I think this is like, for you, Mr. Completionist, you are going to love this game for like, trying to track down all these little like bits and pieces it's all in isometric point of view and it was actually it was cool one of the secrets i found is like there's like a pillar of land in front of you and i realized that you can actually make your way around the corner of the pillar and when you do that the whole view of the game shifts to be around the pillar like just cool little camera tricks like that really well thought out um 
and clearly looking at the inventory screen there's a bunch of new weapons you get to collect like on top of your bow and arrow skill there's going to be a few other skills that you get to collect that are going to make combat i reckon really interesting um you you earn up currency from enemies you defeat and at various points in levels you can unlock doors that take you back to the bureau and go talk to a crow that that like you can purchase upgrades to your your abilities from them so you can like buy damage upgrades and speed upgrades and and all that kind of stuff yep from what i've played thus far this is a shoe-in for game of the year list and it's really feeling like a top five at this point in time damn bro i'm very excited for it i cannot wait for you to play this game i reckon you're absolutely gonna love it me ass game Mm. yeah the the, um the the latter half of this year is pretty stacked for like potential game of the years for me it's pretty exciting Mm. i've already got a backlog like i really want to play minute of islands i really want to play the magnificent truffle pigs like i think minute of islands looks good minute of islands has a lot of potential Okay, very good, very exciting. But I'm 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 ecstatic to know that Death's Door is the good is the good shit. Oh, the absolute such good shit. And I've been hanging on for talking about this game. I've wanted to like sing its praises for a couple of weeks now. Um, that's amazing. Uh, well, that's that's Death's Door again. It comes out on July twenty. Yep, um, on, and, Xbox on Xbox and PC Windows, at this yeah. point in time. Um. Yeah, I, I think I'm, Game Pass. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to just like I feel like a bunch of Devolver games are coming out like in the next couple of months, which is super exciting. They let haven't let said just... they haven't said if it's Game Pass or not. My um, gut instinct is it's got to be Death Pass. It, it's got to be got to be Game Pass. Uh, pre-order now. Now there's nothing on the Xbox side. Yeah, they, God, they, they haven't looking, said I'm, anything yet. So I've just I've I've pulled up the Xbox page and it's got screenshots, and I'm just like, oh god damn, this game looks good. <laughs> as in as in visually it, it it is fantastic obviously for everything but it looks so nice um and the like the enemy design is fantastic i i had one battle that was against like a door mm-hmm. and the door turned into like this big robot just really really cool like i just fought a knight this morning where it has a shield on each of its arms and it can like combine the shield to look like a mouth in front of its body and then when it pulls the shields away the middle of its body actually is a mouth. Um, I've just found an interview from earlier this year on a website called Survivor, and um, oh, they, yeah, interviewed, yeah. they interviewed Acid Nerve, and they said, "Is Death Store planned for Xbox Game Pass?" And Acid Nerve said, "No, it is not planned for Game Pass." So well, there you go, go guys. Um, Bummer, but buy this goddamn game. Yep, yeah, will do, John. Will do. Um, so that is it for our reviews of games so far this week. But before we go, we have another email in what I like to refer to as the Linux saga. Oh my God, really? Uh, this one comes from Joel and the subject is, I am a Linux user. Hi, John and Levins. I am an avid Linux user. I use Linux every day. As a full stack web developer, I dare say if Linux and the open source BSDs didn't exist, my job would be a living hell. That being said, I haven't touched a graphical user interface on Linux in probably eight years. Here's the thing about Linux. To be pedantic, Linux isn't an OS. It's a kernel. It's just the base of an operating system on which distributions like Ubuntu and Red Hat are built. So far, I'm I'm, I'm understanding about 80% of the words Joel is using. Uh, The desktop environment could be any number of interfaces, all of which, IMO, are pretty bad. 
So at present, I really wouldn't recommend normal folks use Linux for their main computer. Some history you might not care about. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely don't, but I'm going to read it anyway, John, because I appreciate the hell out of this. In the early 2010s, there was a push to make Linux be a tablet and phone OS, which means all the energy behind making the GUI work well on a desktop was redirected to making it work on touchscreens. The result was was that the major desktop environments kind of went to shit. There's still some decent ones out there, but being smaller projects, they aren't as well maintained as the big boys. It's gotten better in recent years as the table market has faded, but it's still not to the level of Mac OS or Windows. Love the show and keep roasting Linux if you like, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's your permission, John. <laughs> it was it was funny at the beginning of the email where it's like, I am a Linux user. I'm like, okay, waiting for it, waiting for it. I'm a full stack web developer. There it is. Okay. <laughs> If he was like, I'm a chef, I'd be like, whoa, okay, what the hell's going on? Why are you using Linux? Every but dish a cook is made with Linux. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. That, like, I totally get why this guy uses Linux. He, it, it's his job, essentially. Um, Joel, I would love to add you to um, the all the Small Games Discord, so I'm going to send you an invite. Um, if you'd like to... Anyone listening would like to join our Discord, you can immediately if you sign up to our Patreon. But... New new rule. If you send an article, uh, send in an email that we read out on the show, um, we'll give you an invite to our Discord community. And you can talk about indie games all day with me and John and a uh, a lovely little collection of our listeners as well. Um, yeah. So uh, the way to email us is allthesmallgames at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us via Facebook, facebook.com slash allthesmallgames. Or on Twitter, we are at allthesmallgame. If you want to find us individually, I'm at levdog. John is at 16tacos on both instagram and twitter and uh of course i got a couple other podcasts you might want to check out one's called hey fam and one is called serious issues uh thanks so much john for uh, for recording with me today um, no worries another great episode Wah. Yeah, Loved one it. of the best one of the best um just off out the gate with that beautiful uh, impersonation of a british person <laughs> <laughs> i cannot yeah. wait for the email we get next week where it's like hi i'm a british person yeah and i am I a will, british person subject i am a british person <laughs> i will stop as a british person and a unix user i will no longer listen to your podcast the goal is for the guy who runs nintendo life team right in and say i am the nintendo life guy and then say, just like Levins, I want you to know that whenever I address my audience with hello, lovely people, I'm talking about every single person in the universe except you from now on. <laughs> and then we add him to the Discord. <laughs> Welcome to the Discord, lovely people. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next time. See ya.